0: Hey, everyone. Eric here. We're really excited about a new AI show from Turpentine called Autopilot, hosted by Will Summerlin. This podcast explores the adoption and rollout of AI in the industries that drive the economy and the dynamic tech founders bringing rapid, scalable change to slow-moving industries. From law to hardware to aviation, Will interviews founders backed by Benchmark, Greylock, YC, and more to learn how they're automating at the frontiers in entrenched industries. Click on the link in the description to subscribe to Autopilot. Welcome back to Turpentine VC, a podcast where we discuss the art and science of building successful venture firms, VC to VC. For today's episode, we have Alexis Ohanian. Alexis co-founded Reddit in 2005, helped lead its turnaround in 2014, and was a partner at Y Combinator. In 2011, he co-founded Initialize Capital with Gary Tan. Initialize split into two firms in 2020, leading to the formation of Alexis's newest venture, 776. We discuss how 776 is a tech company that deploys venture capital, the lack of internal metrics in venture, why the firm has never lost a term sheet, future functionalities that will enhance the 776 product, and much more. Here's our conversation.
1: Alexis, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm stoked to, to chat with you about 776. Thank you, Eric. I'm hyped.
2: I'm hyped. Let's
1: talk. We got, uh, you can ask me anything. As we say on Reddit, perfect, perfect. Well, let's let's get in, let's get in the weeds. So while you were at Initialized, you had one of the most successful runs of uh, of, of of any you know a, a fund with with your with your beginning fund. And so t- let's talk about seven seven six in terms of wh- why I started in, in a very crowded market. Lots of other great firms, you know, storied firms that have been on this podcast. Um, what did you sort of notice was the gap in the market or or think about, Hey, where did, where did you want 776 to play? Given all the other funds out there.
2: So started initialized, uh, with Gary, you know, back in 2012 and admittedly had no idea, no idea we were doing $7 million fund. You, you referenced the, the marks there. We've done pretty well there. And, you know, subsequent funds are, are also tracking quite well. And so imagine, you know, it's now 2020. Uh, so eight years in, and I had just come back from Reddit. So I'd gone back as chairman in 2014, right at the end of that year to help lead the turnaround. That's where I met Caitlin and Lizzie who would go on to join me and initialize. And then when we split that firm to start seven, seven, six. And so I just come out of operator mode, right? Reddit was an 8 million a year revenue business in 2014. That's public knowledge. There was a (laughs) tech crunch article about it. It was a 10 year old company making 8 million a year and had a lot of issues, a lot of challenges. And, uh, you know, four years later was doing around 150 mil, you know, billion dollar plus valuation and team did a hell of a job. And I saw firsthand, learned a ton from Caitlin about what it took to create a high performing tech company, not just like making a cool product people liked, but then scaling that and growing that and making a real business. And so when I came back to initialize full time, I was investing during that period, but I wasn't operating. Um, Gary was operating and, and really running the firm and hiring and everything. And, you know, I found a venture fund that I had co-founded, but one that ultimately wasn't in the vision of what I thought venture could be. And having done one turnaround already with Reddit, that's where I got all of my gray hair. I ultimately just didn't want to do that again. And, and, you know, there was a, you know, it's always tricky with equal co-founders because you have a, you know, literally this was 50, 50, uh, between Gary and I. And, and ultimately I just said, look, like the best thing I can do here is just split this firm and I will do everything I can to make sure that initialized is intact. And, you know, we, we get a fund done and and everything's great, um, going forward, but I'm going to take the folks with me who I know can, can see this vision I see and can run at the speed I want to run, et cetera, and start seven, seven, six. And so, Three years into that experiment now, um, the North Star, to actually answer your question, was, okay, I know I know how to do early stage investing, right? Done that pretty well. I know how to build a billion-dollar tech company. But what happens if we take much of the approach of building a technology company and apply that to VC? So what if we, we say all the time, we're a tech company that deploys venture capital. What does that mean? I'm the product guy. I obviously read it. It was the, the first thing I designed, but I spent all my time or a lot of my time, uh, thinking about and designing product to run all parts of our firm. That's Cerebro. And Caitlin is the people expert who spends a disproportionate amount of her time thinking about how we build a performance culture, how we create an environment for our founders so that they can be incredibly successful, um, how we build you know, uh, metrics into the work that we do. Early-stage venture is hard because you don't really know you're doing a good job until eight, nine, 10 years later when you actually get DPI. So how do you develop talent in an environment where most people, you know, if you ask most GPs at most venture funds, like, what is your team doing this quarter? They don't know. And think about that, right? Like there's no way we turn around Reddit. If we don't know every quarter, what our sales team is doing, what our engineering team is doing, if we don't have metrics, if we don't have alignment, even the people and culture parts of a business have ways to quantify a job well done. Why is venture the one industry where that is non-existent? It's not like we're that special. And, and the answer is because one, I don't think the culture has ever been there. Um, and you have to have a certain amount of will to want that. And then two, you have to be willing to build the technology that creates that kind of scoreboard. And not everyone likes a scoreboard. (laughs) I've, I've always, I've always been on the sales side and the business side in addition to the product side. Where you just have metrics, right? Either if you have 30 day retention, you have, uh, you know, lead conversion rates and dollars generated in a quarter. Like you cannot escape numbers and data. And, and it was always so wild to me in building initialize that like somehow that isn't a part of the culture of venture. And so we wanted 776 to be a firm that had that, you know, front and center.
1: Yeah, it, it's fascinating as, as VCs, if we, you know, we're investing in in our own businesses. We would uh, we wouldn't give ourselves advice like, "Hey, don't have a CEO," or you know, operate in the same way that the business operate that the industry has operated for the last few decades, right? And so you're you're trying to take the the sort of founder approach of, of reinventing the, the 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 category using using software. I, I love that. I mean, it's
2: it's nuts, right? Like even even the folks who say that they use software, this and I've I've been trying to coach up our LPs, right. Even the folks that say they use software, I say, okay. The next question you need to ask them is, what are usage rates? Like, okay, yes, you have software. How important is that software? How do you, how are you measuring? Is it daily act a daily active usage? Is it time spent? You know, is it if it's a tool for your team? Like, do they actually need to do this every day? Right. The the canonical questions of like, how upset would you be if this disappeared tomorrow? That is a obvious follow-up question in our business if you're getting a pitch and a founder is telling you, oh, they love our product. Imagine if we as early stage VCs said, oh, great. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks. No. like, And yet, every single one of us is let off the hook even if we have that pitch of, oh, yeah, no, software is really important how we scale what our team does just because poor LPs don't know. And I've actually gotten so... (laughs) fanatical with it. Um we're actually relaunching by the time this podcast comes out. If you go to 776.com, you will actually see a real-time feed of all of the data of really what we've done for our founders in the last uh 365 days. Actually here I can show you it on. It's on staging so the this is um th- this data is not real, but you get a sense. So like literally at a moment's notice Anyone in the world can see, okay, in the last 365 days, how many tasks have we done? There's still, there's typos in here. It's, this is, you know, how many pitch meetings we organized? How many intros have we made using our tools? How many times have founders, you know, drafted tweets for us that we posted or searched our network or messaged us? Our median response time to their chat messages. I mean, this stuff is cruel to put on the front door because now any founder of note. Has the receipt now? They can say, "Okay, well, here's a metric, here's a bar." Every other venture firm has the same website, which says the same thing, which is, "We're value add, and here's the things we do." Bring the receipts. Let's go. Like, please, I want to know: Are we? Is our average response time faster than our peers? I don't know because nobody else has the courage, the fortitude to track it, let alone publicly report it. And part of this was personal, Eric, because I had, gosh, I had folks. You know, I've I've been. I was a lowercase C celebrity, you know, for creating Reddit just within the tech community. Uh, and then, you know, seven years ago, I started dating my now wife, Serena, who's obviously a worldwide icon. And, and, you know, I heard over those years, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly that founders would be warned. Well, gosh, I hope you can get some of his time. You know, that guy, he's out there. You see, he's posting on social. This was before every VC wanted to be a content creator. And I'd have to answer questions from LPs of like, do you really think you need to be posting so much on social? Like, do you really think you need to be building an audience there? Obviously, the tide has shifted a little bit 10 years later. But but back then, one of the the biggest criticisms or or sort of uh, digs was that, You know, this guy is busy doing his like quasi celebrity thing and he's not that serious. And I think the problem is too, I have too jolly of a demeanor. Um, and so it's one of these things where for years in, in, in so many roles, I just wish there were a scoreboard and, and a couple of years into 776, I'm like, why am I hiding this? Like we share this with our founders. They see all these metrics. They see this accountability. They get an automatically generated report every quarter recapping what our firm has done for them. But I'm like, no, let's just put this on the front door. Like, why not? I don't care. And there's actually an Easter egg where if you click through, you can actually see just my statistics. So, this is the aggregate of the firm. There's 12 of us. Everyone uses this all day, Cerebro. But you can just see my stats. So, you can see my average response time to founders. You can see my median response time. Like, please, please, because. I realized only in the last few years that that the the missing link for me personally in my own weird ways it was just never having a scoreboard and some way of saying, like, let's go. Like talk whatever you want to talk, but bring some numbers. Bring some numbers. And there's a reason, Eric. It's awkward, man. We're three years in. We're 100% on term sheets. Now, Now it will, obviously, at some point, we're going to lose a term sheet. Um, and that's not paying the most. Okay, There are plenty of times, our most recent deal, we were right in the middle of the pack, actually, on valuation. We've never lost a term sheet. And it doesn't matter if I'm sending it, if one of the other partners are, 100%. And my hunch is, if we can continue to do it this way, uh, I think it forces... A lot of the folks in the messy middle, you're, you're talking to folks who are doing, you know, the, the, the tier one legacy firms who manage billions and billions and millions of dollars, who are the brand names we all know. They're not going away anytime soon. Thankfully, they also don't have an edge at early stage, but they're not going away. They're going to keep driving. Okay. But there's a messy middle of a whole lot of folks, you know, zombie venture funds that don't have any leadership, that don't have anyone really checked in um there's a lot of folks who i think we're gonna see start to roll over and that's fine we'll hand i'll send them a retirement watch you know god bless there it's just founders are hungry for uh (laughs) the same accountability frankly that, that the free market expects of them and and that that we as investors expect of them so it's coming change is coming eric
1: yeah no i love the uh the the tracking and then the sharing because even in our industry, we don't even share outputs. Uh, you know, people don't even share returns. Firms have been around for 20 years. Nobody knows how, how, how they, or you know, the public doesn't know how, how they've been doing. The people in the know, know know how they've been doing. And what you're doing is you're tracking sharing inputs, uh, which, which is great because outputs take a decade to, you know, or, or more to to, to, to emerge. Um, so, 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 so I like that a lot. I, I want to z- zoom out a bit and t- just talk about this idea of, of, of software and VC is really interesting. People have tried it in different ways, right? Some people have tried sourcing because it's it's a question of like how do you even deploy it? Where, where can you get leverage? Is it sourcing? Is it evaluating? Is it supporting? Um, why don't you travert, explain kind of the idea maze of how you thought about? Hey, I want to build a, a tech company that invests. What are the different things that you explored or tried, or how did you end up on Cerebro? And then let's let's get into exactly you know what that is, how it works. Look, it was it was certainly informed by.
2: The, you know, I was a, I was in the first batch of YC where there was nothing, right? It was just (laughs) very, uh, sort of haphazardly put together. But then the first bit of software Paul built, um, was allowing people to schedule office hours with founders. And that was when I was a partner. So I was on that side of, I saw how helpful it was, sort of a rudimentary CRM, um, took those learnings into initialized. And as we built that firm, you know, we wanted to build that software and, and we built a sort of V, Two, I'd say sort of the next iteration of that, basically a CRM. But the thing that I realized was it wasn't until I actually queried the database and saw just how disproportionate the amount of work was (laughs) where I was like, holy cow. Like I am, I had actually had no idea just how much time I was spending with our founders relative to other folks. But then also, you know, as a manager, how do you know? How do you develop a performance culture? How do you give feedback? How do you do this stuff if you don't actually know where folks are spending their time? And this was where, again, there's no way you build a multi-billion dollar company not having that kind of performance culture. And so then I come back and I'm like, wait, hold on. Like this is, <clears throat> we, we've just cracked the surface of what you could do if you built software from day one and then built a performance culture around that. And what does that mean? That means there's transparency about output. There's accountability to one another. There's accountability to founders. Um, there's goal setting. There, There are things that like, again, some people don't like this at all, right? Because this is a very different mindset for venture. But other people, thankfully, the ones we've been able to attract, love it. And it turns out high performers love this. High performers love this feedback. They love knowing, okay, in the last two weeks, Where did I spend most of my time? And was that aligned with my expectations for how I wanted to spend it? And that could be cut. That's cut. And again, because this is a full operating system, that's cut a few different ways. We can look at, right, were we spending our time between founders, internal team, third parties, and LPs? That's interesting. Gosh, I thought I was in fundraising mode right now. Why am I not spending nearly as many hours as I would have expected to be? But then it goes a step further, which is, okay, let's just look in the portfolio you know, every every investor segments out their portfolio based on, you know, let's say sort of rocket ship, like the folks who are doing really, really well, high conviction, going to return the fund, all the way down to the ones that are adrift. Now you're looking at your portfolio. Where did you spend your last two weeks or your last month or your last quarter? Are you spending it in the right parts of the portfolio based on their segmentation? The only way you actually can tell is if you are tracking it and if you are having those hard, sometimes, conversations among the team to say, hey, hold on. We said we were going to spend, we expected to spend 50% of our time with founders that are in this section. We we hit, we, hit, we had 10% last quarter. What happened? Or, you know, it's, it's hard enough. And I'm speaking for myself here. Right? These are the tools I wanted my whole career. Because I want to know, my God, like this, this founder is taking up a disproportionate amount of time relative to others and the ROI of that time. I'm, I'm still 24 hours in a day. I don't, if anyone has solved that problem, let me know, but I'm still hamstrung by that. And if I can build these tools that better help me adjust my day, I know they will help everyone on the squad and, and us as a team to better understand. And that's again, that is the simplest version of how we think about it, but. When we think about then the tools we built for our founders, I literally went to all the billion-dollar CEOs that I had seated, and I said, what were the things that were most valuable that I did for you over the last you know, seven, eight, nine years? And I took that list and then like any good product designer, I just resorted it <laughs> based on frequency of mention and ease of building. And the number one thing was network and intros. They said, Alexis, your network is unmatched. Your ability to land successful intros unparalleled. That was amazing. And I'm sitting here going, okay, well, what is that? That's a database. And letting you search my brain, a database, is way better than actually getting on a phone and being like, hey, Alexis, do you know someone at Twitter? Right? Database is really good for those queries. My brain, terrible at it. So that was the first product in Cerebro. It was just simply a network search. And that was pulling my personal CRM, which I obsessively kept for most of my career. That was about 35 Probably 35, 40,000 contacts. <laughs> and then another 15, 20 from LinkedIn that we, you know, I aggressively exported and put those together, make them searchable, click a button, request an intro, draft the email, boom. So that was the first version back in 2020. And, and again, it was just based on talking to my customers and not just any, but the best ones, right? All, all it, it's a, you know, it's a power law business. So when a dozen, when, you know, two dozen billion dollar company CEOs who I seeded, say that this is important, that's that's who I'm building for. And we've kind of we've expanded from that to the point now where uh you know once a company gets in our CRM, you know, through an email, through an intro, through a LinkedIn message, who knows, um, we have software to handle that flow. So the deal flow, uh, everything through the pitch meeting, how we're, you know, feedback, uh, excuse me, we're uh sort of um Sort of ranking, rating. This is to exercise the muscles of of partners and folks on the team to just get better. Uh, and I'll I'll tell you a specific way we do that because intuition is so important early stage. Um, if a company, I think this is all software. If company, if pitch company becomes port co, then six months after the pitch, we actually ask everyone who's in that meeting the same uh, sort of characteristic questions about the founders. So uh, effective communicator is one of the ones that we rank one to five. Um, And we asked them, we don't show them how they ranked them six months earlier, but we asked them again and then they ranked them and put a little context. And then we show them how they decided based on those initial pitch meetings. And what's fun there is you're now, you know, once you're six months into a founder, you actually kind of know what you got and you could have someone who is amazing at a pitch and they're great in a pitch setting, but you know, terrible communicating to you as investors, maybe problems communicating with their co-founders. Like there's, it's easy. It, it, there's a, we know that's an important attribute of a great CEO being able to sort of speak clearly and thoughtfully and, and with conviction. Um, but, but intuition is how you can kind of tell even in those handful of pitch meetings that like, yeah, it's there, but I asked the right question. I get the slightly defensive answer and that's a tell that you actually probably struggle outside of this pitch. But how do you learn that? Unless you get it wrong and then you can catch yourself six months later to be like, "Oh my god, I got this so wrong." And 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 then what do I learn building an organization? I can start to see with some data—it's limited, but at least some data—who has better instincts on this stuff. And there was a this was inspired by a meme from YC. Uh, PG always used to call Jess a social radar because you know that early YC group—it was Paul, Trevor, and Robert. Not the most high EQ people. I think they would admit that not the highest EQ folks. And, but Jess came in with, with a lot of EQ and it was like, Oh my God, she's telling us who's a decent human. And, and so I, I, that always stuck with me because I'm like, okay, there are, there are more nuanced ways to actually start to learn a lot of this stuff. And if you're building software in through this and you're building it with the intention of helping develop and give feedback, you, you can do a lot more. Anyway, it goes through the process. And then once they are in the, the portfolio, then it's about building their journey and building the relationship with us. And, you know, the iOS app exists because we're an RIA and I need all the messages to happen in one single place, which is helpful, which is in Cerebro. We even show people, again, this is how just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm nuts. Um, any founder who's chatting with us. Okay. I got to, res- got it. I, I could feel the clock ticking in my head where it's like, I, I need to respond quickly. So here's, oh, this one's fine. Okay, there's nothing naughty there. Okay, so here's a founder. Um, and you see at the top of her chat, she can see her our median and average response times to her. Now, every founder sees that. And that's like 101 customer support, right? You'll get a response within six minutes. It's busy right now, blah, blah. But this is the founder knowing that we have such accountability to them. And this is also fun because then, again, it's on the front door. I can tell you my average and median response time to every single founder. And, and again, it's just reiterating like, wow, okay, like they're here for me. It's creating this kind of, I want to create this feeling for founders that this is the bad phone and this is what they can use for, for needs. And so sometimes it's, it's like, Hey, look at this great thing that happened. And sometimes it's like, Hey, do you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I need some more color here in the, 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 you know, the cerebral entry didn't give me enough, you know, juice. Can we, can we talk? Like there is, it's creating that, that ongoing relationship, which is so important. And then. Now, in the last year, we've started building more and more tools to actually help scale the things that matter most to our founders. And the biggest one, which is, I think, where you're driving in, you're in the right direction here, is on distribution, where like, yeah, it's useful that we have millions of followers across my channels, my teams and the firms. But you know, for an early stage company, being able to actually use that to say, hey, we just launched a new you know, version of our app and here's the cool stuff, check it out. Or hey, we just landed this big deal, hey, check it out. Amplifying the content that they want us to talk about is very valuable because you're talking about millions of impressions basically for free for minimal work. So we built out this Amplify tool, which is essentially like a ghostwriting tool, not too dissimilar from like a typeflea or Hootsuite back in the day, so that founders can actually draft tweet storms, LinkedIn posts, IG posts, all this that then get approved, edited and approved by us from, and then shoved out on our accounts on their schedule. So we have our own content team. They're using these tools to create the actual like 776 content that we're putting out in the world. But then a founder can wake up at 2 in the morning and be like, Oh, right. We're launching here tomorrow. Make sure to please amplify it. Cool. That, and it's been wild to see. We've had, it's been for the, there's probably 10 companies in the portfolio. Obviously, we have a leaderboard. There's 10 companies that are just ripping it and what they all have in common is they all have excellent social content discipline, like it's in their DNA. Intro is the best one. You've probably seen intro stuff bubbling around. They're so effing good, and their head of social realizes, hold on, all my OKRs are geared towards signups and growth and all these things, and now here is another tool in my toolkit that literally no other investor on the planet has ever created that I will get to use. And that's been the hardest part is actually now educating founders about these things that they just don't expect because there is no precedent. And it's a great, it's a great problem to have, but the difference between the 10 who have just instantly gotten it and are using it regularly versus the other like 50 that should be in like have tried a little bit here and there. I mean, these are good. These are all product challenges that, you know, I get to now improve. But, uh, this is, this is where we want to go. I want to scale my time. I want to scale the team's time and, and be able to focus on the human parts of this job that are so much more important than, you know, coming up with the blank screen of being like, okay, what do I, how do I get this tweet started? And obviously we're using AI to help with that too. Shameless
1: plug for the AI revolution. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in, in, in a bit. Um, uh, but just to make sure I, I, I captured it, my sort of, my understanding of this Reber is from what you said is it's basically a tool for your founders to get access to to your network and and, and your distribution in a you know systemized, um, you know, efficient, ef- effective way. And also for them and you to track the work that you were doing, the the response time. Um so that they have uh, sort of the confidence that you'll get back to them, that you'll be helpful. They they know exactly what you're doing for for them, also your portfolio, and then it's also an internal tool for you to be able to run your firm better, to learn from from your decisions, to to learn how your team is operating. Did, did I miss anything there? Yes,
2: I mean it could. I I for the last AGM, we do all our AGMs async. I recorded a 22 minute, and I was pretty crisp, but a 22 minute demo. Um so I'm not, that's obviously probably the most boring thing I could do <laughs> right now. But like this is an example of the quarterly investor update or founder investor update that our founders get. Cool. And it's just right, it's it's you know, whether it's intros one-to-one, intros at scale, that's our campaign tool. Yep. um social posts through the amplified tool, um, and then all the other stuff every VC does of like, you know, events yeah. and workshops and all that stuff. Like it's it's an operating system for a VC fund. Yeah. And and I think we I'm still so embarrassed by it and it needs to get so much better. But we're we're tracking in a way that's exciting because it's I have yet, you know, there's no founder out here that's like, Oh, have you seen blah 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 by blah blah venture firm? Right. Yeah. No, you're you're pioneering here. Cause there there just isn't. And it's weird because like creating Reddit. I had to hear about Dig every fucking day. Every day. How are you different from Dig? How are you going to beat Dig? Why are you better than Dig? Why are you, do you even exist? There's already Dig. And so it's weird. And obviously, we buried Dig, you know, five years later, but it 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 like for four or five years, it was incessant. And then this is just weird because there isn't uh <laughs> there's no Goliath uh from a product standpoint. And uh so it's it's it, we're not any less motivated. It's just it's just weird.
1: A couple years from now, where do you expect? Like, what use cases or functionality have you not yet built in that you think could could be a big a, a big opportunity? That, like, where where do you see it going? What, what, what's next for it?
2: So, if we look at the the roadmap right now, has probably two thirds of it is is founder tooling, um, and I'd say there's some stuff which I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. There's every bit of it we can level up. We should be leveling up. There are other parts of it that have kind of arrived organically that are very interesting to me. So I'll give you an example. Like we, we didn't have a community three years ago because we didn't really, we didn't exist. Now that three years have gone by, we're super intentional about, because we're remote first, we're super intentional. We bring people away from their homes to come in person. Like it's a high, high quality event and our team does an amazing job making sure like it's worth everyone's time. That's so important to me. I got two kids. I'd rather be home with them 99% of the time or, I don't know, playing Call of Duty with my boys. Um, like that, like it's, we, it needs to count to get folks out. And, and so now that we've started to intentionally build this community, that's been one area where folks have really asked for more to just better know how to connect with one another. That, that on the one hand is as simple as messaging. Obviously I reproduced a type of very similar to Reddit forum called the Agora, which is for one to many community stuff. You know, that's nothing as the Reddit guy. That's nothing new, but thinking about, okay, how do we create more serendipity as our founder community gets bigger that allow for these high value moments to happen between our founders? You know, now that uh like, for instance, so I, I can give you a little of an idea, you know, now that like We Work is, is it bankrupt now? Uh, I, I think there is, <coughs> there's an amazing opportunity here to reimagine what, a, we'd call it Agora IRL. So the Agora is what we call our our sort of Reddit-like tool online. The Agora in ancient Greece was like the place where all people would get together. It was like a market. It was like where you'd go to vote. It was like the town square in ancient Greece. And we have that Agora digitally, but I've talked a lot about doing an Agora IRL where we reimagine what our offices would look like from first principles. And we say, okay, commercial real estate, quite affordable right now. We find some modest dope spaces in New York, LA, San Francisco, probably Miami, um, and we create. You know, the, WeWork did get some things right, but imagine a space not that scale, but but a, a, a place with large benches. You know, powered by Envoy, shameless plug of a seed investment I made. Where you can rent out meeting rooms, hot desks. There's some good coffee. And most importantly, you know that all the other humans who are there are either on the team of 776 in the founder community or like allies of the firm. So it's all good. It's high quality humans, right? You go to WeWork, the Reddit had a New York WeWork office, uh, right after I came back and it, you would, we, I, I got us out of there as soon as possible because the more time you spent there, like the worse the company was going to do, uh, just because it didn't really attract high performing founders. And, uh, and so imagine that, right? You have this, this cerebro app now is also your key card to get in to your 776 Agora. So if you're in town, you know, if I'm traveling to LA, if anyone on the team is now, you have a place to go where you know, you can work and it's going to be worth the time of being there because all the other humans are similarly motivated to just be doing dope stuff. So like there's. There's interesting ways we can start to layer on now that we actually have scale of community and, and founders are asking us for this. Um, that uh, that again, it's not. I'm not trying to actually start another WeWork, but I'm trying to think through like for a firm that doesn't have offices. Uh, I do think there is value to coming together as long as it counts. And so, how do we build that in a way that makes sense with technology and our culture? So, get ready for Agora's IRL,
0: maybe next year. Hey. We'll continue our interview in a moment after a word from our sponsors over 100 startups launched today do you know who they are if you're not seeing interesting startups none of your downstream processes matter how you source deals at the earliest stages could be your most consequential investment harmonic is the most complete startup database finding new companies as soon as they incorporate and tracking them through ipo you can create a search tailored to your investment thesis in one search filter over company data including Venture stage, industry, and geography, founders and operators' backgrounds, and traction metrics like headcount changes, social media audience, and web traffic growth. Importantly, Harmonic instantly surfaces warm connections to help you connect with founders. The results are delivered on autopilot, wherever you most need them, over Slack, email, or via API, directly into your CRM, integrating seamlessly into your software stack. Learn why Craft, Bedrock, NEA, and hundreds more. Trust Harmonics data by visiting harmonic.ai or use the link in the description. Make sure you mention our podcast, Turpentine VC, during your demo.
1: I, I love that. It's a really interesting idea. I, I love that you think about how to differentiate on how the venture firm operates itself because normally when emerging managers or new funds come to come to market, they either don't differentiate or they maybe think about different like specializing in a certain sector or something, but they don't really think about hey how does the vc firm run and how can we reimagine it for what the world looks like uh you know in 2023 2024 this is not going to be a, a fun job in the next
2: few years right vc i think for a lot of folks became a fun job that they could look forward to or like almost like a quasi retirement and i'm so excited like i'm again i'm a really weird individual right i'm 40 years old i feel more motivated than i did at 20 Starting reddit like i I am licking my chops about how much change is going to come to this industry, and it 's already starting, but in these coming years, right, in a higher interest rate environment in a in a place where there 's a lot of transition that needed to happen, there was a lot of fat that needed to get you know trimmed uh, in these funds and in the ecosystem, and that was part of the reason we leaned, leaned into becoming a registered investment advisor right I had Every LP was like, "That's dope." (laughs) They're like, "That's great," (laughs) because for them, it's it's all upside, right? And a couple though were like, "But why would you do that?" Like, venture capital is the you know that's the wild west. That's part of the fun. You don't have to get audited by the SEC. Like, why on earth would you take on more operational work? And and again, helping what really helped was having a founding partner like Caitlin who because of her people and culture expertise on the executive side and the operational side, like she likes that stuff. It's, it's part of, it's very much in her wheelhouse. And by doing it early, it's way easier than trying to do it way later. Cause you have all your practices, you have all your culture, all that stuff is ossified. And then you're trying to revamp everything that that's where the pain is. So you do it early. And part of the bet was, I do think venture is going to have to, and I won't name names, but there were some firms that made some pretty big, bad and public calls. Um, And look, that's part of the job where we have to take big swings. Um, But then when you start getting under the hood and being like, where was the diligence? Where was this or that? Um, And I'm knocking on wood here. Like, you know, I, that hasn't happened uh, to me, but I look at this and I think, okay, well, more operational rigor is a good thing, especially in this line of work. You know, we manage just under a billion dollars now. And mm, of it is my money. So like, I'm like, this is, this is my kids. This is my grandkids. Like I, I more rigor sounds great to me. And, and I think having that alignment with LPs is also now. look. I'm very lucky. I didn't have, thankfully I had a lot of liquidity events and you know, we'll see what happens with this Reddit IPO, but like I've, I'm in a place now where most, you know, new fund managers don't get to be because they don't have the track record or the capital but I'm going to take full advantage of it. Are you kidding? Of course. Like we have, I've got more, I've got as much, there's probably only a handful of anchor LPs who've actually put more money in. Cause these are, you know, big, big institutions, but like, that's the kind of alignment I want. And I don't know. I feel, I feel very, very fortunate because the the dozen folks we have here around the table are motivated by it and, and all come from operator backgrounds. So they're also thinking about it with, a kind of naivete that's helpful because you know you know doing something cuz the way it's always been done is
1: never <laughs>
2: should never be the 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 place where you're starting in a
1: conversation totally so so we have a sense for how you guys op- operate using software? L- let's get more of a sense for how you think about fund size and where you fit into the market, right? You know, we have a sense for what Benchmark does, right? You know, sort of five equal partners, four hundred fifty million dollar fund size, or, or, or whatever their fund size is, and that you know, very concentrated, you know, Series A, Series B checks. Uh, we have a sense for how A Sixteen Z operates, right? Massive staff, uh, massive AUM, all stages, uh, kind of this, you know, really big aggregator. Um have a sense for how founders fund you know uh, operates how should we ha- what's our mental model for how seven thinks about fund size portfolio construction et cetera place of market so precede to series a
2: you know we're even doing incubations now too love early stage um seeds the bulk of it though um but I do think incubations are going get they're gonna get some more love and and for us it's actually a little unfair because okay founded reddit cool but we also have deep people expertise. And so when you are incubating, practically speaking, what's one of the first things you're doing, right? Finding the right people to build out for that team. And so I think we're uniquely positioned for a few reasons there. But you can think of us, like I said, early stage from idea to series A. Um, I am technically the sole GP when it comes to the like ass on the line and the legal docs. Um, but all four of us, that includes my three other partners, um, source deals, lead deals, run deals. And it just so happens, you know, Caitlin, Christina, and then Chris are at different, uh, sort of experience levels as investors. Caitlin's already got a couple of angel investments that are billion dollar companies, companies like Gladys. Um, and she's got a few heaters from the first fund. They're already tracking well. One of the things I really wanted to make sure we nailed at 776 was having. I talked about that performance culture, having an environment where folks are getting consistent feedback to understand how to be better as investors. I know I am decades away from hanging it up. I'm not going anywhere, um, but I already want to be thinking about succession. Cause I think that's an area where plenty of venture firms have struggled and where it's part of the reason you have these zombie VC firms running around because the founders are gone and no one else has a track record or knows what they're doing. And it's just, it's tough. i I already want to make sure we have this kind of development process for all the partners as we go because it only helps the firm more for them to develop their reputations as great early investors as great helpers of companies etc um so it looks and feels a lot more I don't know if collaborative is the right word but I want to keep that energy while still having a mindset of you know you got to do your job and at the end of the day, our job is to deliver outsized returns. And the nice thing is I can be a, I don't know, a beacon. Um, latest company we announced was Scoreplay. And that was a seed investment that my partner, Christina sourced, led and won. I got on one call during the conversation. But like, she's not even a sports fan. It's sports tech. And like, I own a couple of sports teams. Like, I'm obviously pretty well connected to sports. But it wasn't an Alexis deal. It wasn't an Alexis pitch. Like I was a little bit icing maybe on that cake, but she won that. And that competitive deal being won by her, especially the fact that she's not a sports fan, should probably make some folks really question, like, okay, well, like to your point earlier, you know, being a generalist fund that has, you know, strong conviction about, you know, different sectors, different industries, certainly. But but just comes from a background of operating, and as long as we have a great network of founders, we can win in sports tech. We can win in space tech. We can win in I mean uh, AI. It's it is uh I don't know. It's 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 also way more mentally stimulating because <laughs> you get to just have to get smart about a lot of things quickly. And then I'll say the last thing too. I don't know how many firms do this. We um we have every employee gets carry. And, and why? Well, cause you, you, again, the only way you're building a billion dollar business is if every single person at the company to the newest admin is incentivized. And, and, and I, you start to see this ripple effect where just by having everyone bought in and caring and feeling like there's upside, you just, it, it, it makes everything better. It means the CRM is a little cleaner. It means the response time is a little faster. It means, you know, interacting with the founder is a little bit better. Like there's just, um, there's a lot of things that we can learn when a team is properly incentivized. And so how do you incentivize people to, to create that environment? And I uh, look, we're only three years in. So what the hell do I know? Like we'll do a follow up interview in seven more years
1: and, and we'll see how it's gone. Yeah. But you've, uh, you know, you figured out quite a, quite a bit so, so far. Um, you mentioned pre, seed to series A. What do you think about the accelerator market? Is that a game that, that YC has, has, has won? And thus, you know, you didn't really consider, um, doing something there or, how do you think about sort of the accelerator landscape in uh you know end of twenty twenty three here no comment no i i think it is
2: i've been on both sides right um i think early on probably for the first ten years of y c it was an it was an intelligence test right two thousand five to probably the mid teens and what's so interesting now is i don't think I don't know if the accelerator model, cause it hasn't changed much since 2005, is the right model for most companies in 2023. And there's a bunch of factors in there, but like the bottom line is I remember, you know, we, we got $12,000 from YC in 05 for Reddit. Um, uh, raised, I raised another 60 grand at demo day. It was a different time. That was a good raise back then, by the way. And and part of why YC was so important was because there was just no knowledge about how to do a startup, especially like a modern startup, because it was such a wasteland. And And there were... I mean, I made tremendous mistakes as a first-time CEO, but I still made fewer than if I didn't have YC. But by comparison, the 21-year-old first-time CEO who graduates from UVA in 2023, she is so much better equipped than I was, so much, just because of how much is... So much more mainstream in terms of startup culture and how much you can just self serve from smart people on the internet. Like there's just especially for pure software, there's just so much there. And and then I think you just have to go back to asking that hard question of why. And and I don't know if the math maths anymore for a lot of companies to do that traditional accelerator and and i've heard you know i i know all the talking points but i do think we're due for another iteration i don't know what it is but it's just the math doesn't math for a lot of the exact founders you would want who are going to build billion dollar companies um today as it used to back in the day and that's not just yc that's across the board it's going to take asking that question why enough times to really get to like why should someone really want to do this it is a hell of a time though to try to come up with what's next because the time is definitely now for it, and certainly with the secular shift that AI has brought on, yeah, we'll be able to build an app in our sleep uh, <laughs> in in no time.
1: Totally, it, it it is the dream if you can figure out a way to at scale, get special economics, and have a Coinbase every year, or you know, and and trust that you're getting amazing founders. I mean, it's almost like a can't lose profit business model. But the market has gotten more efficient, and uh, founders don't don't need it in the same way. So. You have to find undiscovered founders, but and that's why I think YC has gone internationally in in many ways. But um, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I I you know, and I've I've said for a while now, if I could just invest in the YC international batches of the last decade, I'm sure you would have made a ton of money. Um, because it was that beacon in startup communities that just didn't have that. Um, but then what's the next? Again, what's the like? It's even that is starting to now. Um, not be enough of an edge. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like I said, it's not. No one's there. It's not going away, uh, overnight. But uh, but there's absolutely a, a room to innovate. Maybe that's what you're gonna do. I mean, Village was Village was a version of that.
1: Yeah, we tried our our own model and had some success with it, but didn't quite make a structural dent in in, in the in the in the ecosystem. With 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 OnDeck, I I I appreciate the pre company. What'd you learn from it? Yeah, a, a few things. So, one is I, I think the pre-company is is the way to uh, is the way to compete. You know, YC gone sort of upmarket. You know, th- they used to maybe take people who were just talented an idea, but as they got so so uh, you know so competitive, they can now have the luxury of of waiting and um, sort of the in between phase between before people have a company idea or maybe even before they've left their job. If you can add a lot of value there, maybe help them find a co founder, maybe help them find their idea. Um, or just create sort of a supportive community that helps them, you know, sort of, uh, leave their, leave their company. So things like what South Park commons is, is doing the neck, the negative one space, I, I think is the, is the place to play. Um, and the, the question is basically had, that I haven't figured out yet is how do you get paid for the risk you take? Because, um, you know, you're going earlier and there's, there's more risk. Um, and so, and maybe that leads to incubations, like what, like what you're thinking about in a more narrowly way, scoped way. So, um, so those are the thing, the the ideas I'm I'm wrestling with. I think you're right. W- one question I have is: Have you figured out a way to use software to get an edge as it relates to sourcing or evaluating? I'm, I'm, uh, certainly, you have you have on supporting. Um, I'm curious if if you or anyone has fig- figured that out or, or if that's possible.
2: It's at early stage. I mean, right? There's no data on the companies, or very very little because they've only been around. Some have not; don't even exist yet. Others you know you got maybe a few months worth of data, 6 months, maybe a year, but then you're also wondering what's taking so long like i it's there's no data. Um and then if you are looking at data, i would just be so reluctant. I don't know, I mean what are you doing? You're looking at what where they worked and what college they went to? Like that's dumb. So so i really i'm very skeptical on using software to be this magic wand. Yeah, it's helpful at later stage, sure, but i i skeptical about it on early. Um, the way that we'll go about doing it is through our network, which I know still opens up problems. Like part of what I hope we can do is we're using software at the heart of this is to start discovering nodes in the network that we wouldn't have otherwise known about. Because we actually know like who have been the most helpful people in our network because we track them. We actually have a thing in every note you can do slash thanks to give someone flowers. And, and that's if, you know, anyone goes above and beyond. You know, for it could be it could be a caterer that gives us a bunch of free tacos. It could be a founder that introduces us to another amazing founder. We also know where we get introduced and all that stuff. but like we really wanted to create a culture of gratitude where we can start to understand like who is really helping us out, and the next version of that is to then understand of people who are high signal um like. Who would they recommend? Who are people who are not in our network that they should know or that we should know that they know? And, and then, you know, we create an event where they get to bring their plus one and it's some person who, you know, we don't know that they think we should know. And there's some, there's some, again, it's all soft software underpins even the invites to go out and the acceptance rates and tracks all this stuff in one place. Um, I want to start to be able to map out the network so that over time, maybe we can get a little smarter, um, about how we're sourcing folks. Um, but right now we're just very fortunate cause there's just a ton of great founders who happen to want to meet with us. And you know, um, and we haven't had to hunt, let's say, uh, like a lot of other folks do. Um, uh, but, uh, but that's good. I don't want my team taking random pitch meetings with founders that waste the founders time.
1: Yeah. And so, gearing towards closing here it seems like your 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 early success means you'll you'll have your your pick for what strategy you you look at but you know we've seen firms like like benchmark and usv stick to a fund size and and a, and a strategy and just rinse and repeat and we've seen firms like thrive and and a6 z and others say hey let's actually like step up there's more and more great companies every year Let, let's do you know increased aum and and uh be more ambitious in, in in that way obviously they're both ambitious in terms of return profiles when you look at Fund five let's say you know or just the future of seven seven six um w- w- what do you think uh it, it could look like from a fund size perspective or do you think you'll go out, outside of precede to a or w- what do you think is the future for seven seven six
2: i eric i love dpi
1: once you've had, once you've had a yeah. taste of that juice,
2: uh, <laughs> uh you don't want to give it up. Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of what we saw was a byproduct of ZERP, the zero interest rate phenomenon. And, and I don't know if the math maths in the same way, right? A larger fund size just means higher bar to make lots of money, right? And, and I want everyone on the team aligned with one goal, which is DPI and. To that end, I don't think, I mean, we have a sweet spot right now of our, our core fund is around 400. And I, I think for early stage, reserving half, you know, for follow on, I, I want to believe that's in the neighborhood of where we're at a few years from now. But I, I do think there's other opportunity through different fund types that are complementary, that are also not not a growth fund, to be clear. But there's some other interesting stuff, right? You talked about incubation. Like, if there were a way to do, you know, the incubator accelerator model intelligently, I think you'd have to first, I, I think you'd have to figure out also just the optics of, well, are you doing every company? If you're not doing every company, why are you not? And so then if you're not, which is probably the most equitable one, you'd probably want it to be a separate fund vehicle um so that it just stands on its own and it's it's got its own thing. Um anyway, there's this is like I I wouldn't rule it out. I just don't want to be on here 10 years from now and you'll be like, "aha." But but generally speaking, I think for early stage in the next 5-6 years, it will be very hard to grow to the scale that we saw before. Because I just, in this interest rate environment, in, in this environment, I don't know how the math maths. The Founders Fund did a really impressive thing. We share, we share a couple LPs with them. And when we heard the news, it's public now that they were giving back money on that like billion five early stage fund. Um, we're not quite giving it back, but saying, hey, we're going to reduce this fund size. You can, you know, this money will go elsewhere. Um, that was really great. Like that was a sober, smart move because a lot of us were looking around going, how in the hell do you have a billion dollar early stage fund? Even if, let's say you reserve half of it, you're really putting $500 million to work in early stage companies. You're trying to buy 10%. Like how big are those rounds? And, and then, and then, and like, I mean, how do you, how do you build a fund returning profile in early stage with that? Uh, let alone manage it and everything else. So, I'm glad that sobriety kicked in. I don't see that changing over the coming
1: god decade. Yeah, no, that maybe it's a good place to wrap. Where we're we're at the hour, um, Alexis, you've uh, I, I really appreciate not just how you're innovating with Seven Seven Six, but how you're sharing it with, uh, with the public because, or sharing with other investors listening in, because you could keep all these secrets to yourself, but it's better for the industry if, if, if everyone's innovating and and pushing the, pushing the ball forward. So thank you for coming on and sharing your lessons with us.
2: My, my pleasure, man. Dude, Eric, I've had, I've had GPs at all the tier one firms you talked about earlier call me up. They're like, let's get on a zoom. I want you to talk to my product team. I want you to show us what you're building in Cerebro. Like I'm an open book and it's, Again, we're a three year old firm. We haven't done jack shit yet, but the fact that the baddest in the industry are like, Hey, we want to learn from you is a good sign. And, and like I said, I don't think I have all the answers. I think we're, I just, we're fortunate to be doing it in a different way at the perfect time. And so we get to come at this with fresh eyes. And I know the space just needs innovation, man. I mean, it's. You come over here. (laughs) I always is why I try to talk young people out of becoming like VCs or joining VC firms until they've like done some stuff and built some stuff because this space is no longer gonna be an early retirement job. And and that's exhilarating for the folks who are hungry and want it. And it should be terrifying for the folks who (laughs) don't. But hey, that's good. Free market's a beautiful thing when it works like
1: that. Amen. Great place to know. Thank thanks so much, Alexis.
2: Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Turpentine VC is a podcast from Turpentine, the network behind Moment of Zen and econ 102. If you like the episode, please leave a review in the Apple Store or rate us on Spotify. Hey everyone, Eric here. At Turpentine we're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now.